0: Rats in the columns, I keep them both covered. Making the beats too, so the listeners can bump it. Hit us with the rating, yeah, I'm saying this a five. Before you hit a talk, bob your head side to side. It's One Nation Radio, and this is the beginning. It's Rich, and I'm here with James, it's time to listen to One Nation. got lunch. The power, the power, irritate. This is Mike Sempervivi from WrestlingObserver.com. Check me out on Wrestling Observer Live every day. And also check out your boys, Rich and James, on One Nation Radio. All right, this is Kenny Omega. We're listening to One Nation Radio. Check it out, guys. These guys know what's up. Big Kenny Omega fans, and that's all it counts to me. Goodbye and good night. Hey. Welcome to the. April 29th edition of One Nation Live. One time for all the real ones. I am your host Rich and we've got a lot to discuss. Last Friday of course was the greatest World Rumble. It was not the greatest World Rumble in name only in title. Um, A lot to go over but first um, appreciate everybody supporting the Social Suplex Podcast Network over this month. This has been our best month ever. We've shattered um, our previous uh, records for what we've done in the month by at least double that margin. So first off, thank you guys for listening. Uh, make sure you guys rate us on your platform of choice. We are an independent podcast network and our budget simply comes from word of mouth. And the only way we're gonna reach more people is with your help by sharing the show and rating it and making the algorithms go go ham and you know making the Twitter stuff uh you know be shared and all that so uh make sure you guys check out all the other shows on the on the social suplex podcast network brand new ring of honor and impact show the wrestling wash hosted by caleb baldwin uh the outsider's edge hosted by rance and carl the ricky and clive wrestling show hosted by ricky and clive and keeping it strong style hosted by jeremy and josh so uh if you want you know your new japan stuff but we've got a lot to talk about here today uh first uh Shout out to Troy Hollywood, who sat out here with me last week and did an interview. Um, if you guys haven't heard that, it is in the archives. Please go check that out. That guy is going to be coming up in the world of professional wrestling in the near future. And you always be able to say, hey, I heard him when he was three years in on One Nation Radio. So, um, But we've got a lot to talk about today. Um, the Saudi Arabia show, all the thoughts behind it. We're going to be talking about Batista on a story I read about him coming back to WWE and it being nixed. And, of course, we're taking your questions and comments live on the air here. If you are hearing this later and you want to be part of the live broadcast, make sure you add yourself to the Wrestling Squared Circle on Facebook. We go live usually on Sundays with these, and we just have a good time and all that jazz. So, um, beginning today. So, wwe in saudi arabia it's a very complex issue um obviously they you know everyone's kind of got their own thoughts on it um first off my opinion on this isn't isn't better than anyone else's uh, nothing I say is should change how you view on it unless you really take you know what I say to heart and, and you know some of you guys maybe do that so uh, I, and I appreciate you if you do but they um it was so complex man it was it was really weird watching that show I watched it on my phone at work uh, all five hours <laughs> I might add so um I, I don't know how I was able to pull that off but it A lot of it felt like, you know, heavy-handed propaganda. And that kind of felt weird watching. And, you know, we... In life, uh, you know, we all have to make trades with certain things. Uh, for example, like you know, with WWE itself, um, you know, I've you know been a wrestling fan for 20 years, watching WWE essentially since 1995, 1996, somewhere around there, and I have to make the trade that. This, you know, company is linked in with the Trump administration. And if you guys have listened to One Nation Radio for any amount of time, you know where I stand on that. So I won't go all crazy there. But we all have trades to make. And I feel like this show is a perfect example of why I applaud anyone getting some of this man's money. Because there's a phrase and it goes, all money ain't good money. And this did not feel like good money. Um, (laughs) WWE was kind of used. I won't even say kind of used. It was... um, you know shown like they this was a paid commercial for Saudi Arabia and saying look how you know we're doing and look what we're doing now and they are essentially in the 1940s maybe even earlier than that uh, we know Sami Zayn was not able to participate in the show um, meanwhile he had been able to wrestle in Saudi Arabia a couple of years ago so That is kind of one thing that is kind of confusing to me. Why was he able to wrestle a couple years ago and not now? Obviously, the women were not there—not Stephanie McMahon, not Ronda Rousey, not anyone. So it's a uh, it it flies in the face of the whole uh, women's revolution. But like I said, there are trades that you know people have to make in life, and this was the the trade that they made for that amount of money. We don't know what it is. I do not believe that it was $200 million for this single show. Um, now, could it be $200 million for the entire 10-year contract? Sure it could. I'm expecting somewhere around $20 million for this show. So um we'll find out in August and see if all this was really worth it, you know, to go through it. And it was crazy how we had all the um, stuff with the Fabulous Moolah. And this was like almost such a complex issue it kind of stumped a lot of people so we had people jumping out the window talking about bringing up new japan and the fact they don't have any women to me that was just the, the most straw man argument that you could make because it's not necessarily like related at all um the fact that new japan doesn't have women performers they don't that's just a personal choice that they made these guys here in wwe went out there to a country that was like no Your women cannot come. So to me, that's a big difference. That's not, you know, really something that equate at all. And, you know, it's not like people that are uh saying this stuff about new japan actually really watched new japan anyway for the most part and that means they definitely don't watch like promotions like stardom or anything like that so i don't know man it's it's really weird like as far as how, how you feel about that me i didn't like it i didn't think that it made wwe look good at all um and this was just something that they had to do for the check you know uh you gotta you know make your money the way you can i don't think there's a business or a wrestling company that would have turned it down and like i said in august i think we'll all see um the effect on it what's going on ricky um so yeah man um yeah like i said my opinion and yeah my opinion on it isn't better than anyone else's and it you know keep getting vincent man's money as much as you can like if you're a wrestler if you can find a way to make money off wwe do it what else we got going on today, man? Um, let's talk about the card, man. So, like, as far as the show goes, the actual show, yes, Dylan, we are in here. Um, this is a weird show. I, You know, WrestleMania 34 was not my favorite show at all. It made it clear on podcasts. Pretty much shitted on it. Hated it. Um, uh, we had a quick non-wrestling-related question. Cavs or Pacers? He says he's got to go with Braun. Um, I feel like the Cavs are gonna win just because I don't see LeBron losing uh in round one to the Pacers, but I'm rooting like hell for the Pacers, so go Pacers. <laughs> um I, I could use some uh some, some foolishness uh for the first round and also to see all the excuses everybody make for this man. So um but back to the wrestling. Um we've got, you know, the greatest Royal rumble. I thought it was a decent show. Like I didn't hate it. Um, like I did WrestleMania 34. Now, I don't know if that was because of lowered expectations, because I thought we possibly could have saw the greatest WrestleMania of all time. This was not the greatest Royal Rumble. Like I said, it was only in name only. Um, And shout out to my man, Dan, who is from Indianapolis, and he's rooting for the Pacers. I've been talking to him all week. He seems to have a pretty level head on the situation. So it'll be interesting to see uh, if if when I see him tomorrow, uh, we can high five uh, or not. (laughs) But, um, it was a five-hour show. To me, it didn't really feel like a five-hour show. It was paced well. The matches didn't go super long or anything. But it was like that, That as I mentioned before, there was just a weird feeling in the air watching it. And I don't know if the crowd knew everything that was going on and... That kind of hurt in some cases, other cases it kind of didn't, so I don't know i thought I thought it was a cool thing to do, like and for me, I looked at it like a possible test for holding a big show on the other side of the world like at some point so i feel like that was a test for uh whether it was the united kingdom whether it was for them possibly going to japan again whether it was a possible uh big four type show like whether it's Wembley Stadium or, or even somewhere in ireland or you know maybe even africa who knows like you know um, they're pretty popular out there uh, like south africa and everything like that so uh maybe wwe uh had more you know in mind for this show than uh, we thought, but uh, let's go through matches, man. We had uh, John Cena and Triple H. I thought they had a decent match. Uh, Gave that one a rating of three and a half. Um, To me, it was kind of like a greatest hits of their, their stuff. We know what John Cena does. We know what Triple H does. I don't think either guy, you know, they're obviously not in their primes anymore, and they didn't really have a reason to go out there and just kill the entire show and, you know, just shut it down. They were in the opener. It was a nice match. Something to watch if you ever I want to check it out. I was really impressed by Cedric Alexander and Kalisto. I didn't rate it that way, but I thought they were a perfect... um, This was a perfect spot for those guys coming in right after Cena and Triple H crowd was already hot. All they had to do was um, fly around and impress, and I think they did. I thought Kalisto uh, really earned a lot in this match because Kalisto's obviously gotten a lot of shit uh, online from people uh, because he's not necessarily the most, like, while he wrestles in exciting style at times, you just see the name Kalisto, and it just feels like such a drain sometimes. But I think um, in the match with Buddy Murphy that he had last week, he showed that he's a very talented in-ring, you know, performer, and as well, um, you know, in this match with Cedric, he was step-for-step, move-for-move with him, and I think people forget that this guy was, you know, a guy in NXT that was having good matches, and that was... Doing stuff like this on the regular, seeing him and Cedric go out there and getting that chance to be on the main card, that was really special for uh 205 Live. So, shouts out to those guys. Um, the Raw Tag Team Championships were taken home by Bray Wyatt and Matt Hardy. Now, these guys, um, I don't know, bro, it's real weird. It's Bray Wyatt and Matt Hardy. Bray Wyatt's finally a face. I called for, I was yelling and begging for him to be a face back after WrestleMania 32. I believe I wrote a column last November about there's never been anyone in WWE that needed to turn face more than Bray Wyatt. And He's finally faced, but it doesn't feel like it's something that's necessarily hot. It just feels like it's a mismatched tag team. I hope he doesn't just end up turning heel again. Uh, hopefully it's a good run, and hopefully he can get spawned into the singles ranks like as a babyface eventually one day. As far as the match goes, yeah, just a regular match. If this was Monday Night Raw, I don't know how necessarily good it would go over. You know, it would, the finish was a dead giveaway, obviously, because they had... Um, you know, SmackDown already uh, claimed the bar. So, you know, whatever. Then we had... Let's see. We had Jinder Mahal and Jeff Hardy. My God. This match was terrible. Um, And as far as the ratings, I had Kalisto and Cedric three and a quarter. Raw Tag two and a half. This match with Jinder and Jeff Hardy. Terrible. Um, it Went about six minutes, I want to say. And it was just like... Every single Jinder Mahal match you've ever seen, I, I don't see this supposed improvement in this guy, aside from, you know, maybe he looks better standing there. I don't <laughs> like that. That must just be it. Um, they did this thing like and I don't know whether who to blame this on, because I feel like both the guys were in the wrong here. So Jeff Hardy's on the top rope going for the whisper in the wind. He just does it, like I don't even know if he looks or he just expects gender to be there or the chemistry was off. I don't know how much these guys have ever actually wrestled each other aside from the other match that they had on Monday night Raw, super miscommunication, and the commentary was just brutal all night, and this was them just at their their worst, you could say, uh, so Jeff Hardy does the whisper and a win, completely misses Jinder Mall, not even close then. Instead of, like, gender adapting to the situation, it seems like they had their match worked out and they were going to do it no matter what. They were going to (laughs) have this spot and exactly laid out and they weren't going to deviate from the plan at all. So, Jinder Mahal takes a bump for no reason. If you haven't seen this, this is just awful like (laughs) like completely exposing the business and you know whatever guys have have botches and matches but this one was just you know it was a little much so you know gender in that situation i thought he maybe could have like just kicked him or maybe dropped an elbow or you know did something like laugh at him for missing something but They just kind of, you know, didn't really do their thing there. Uh, I thought this was like a star and a quarter. Like, I would have just gave it two stars because it's just a regular match. But then that happened, so I docked them a little bit. Um, Then we had the SmackDown Tag Team match. It's time to talk about the Bludgeon Brothers. Luke Harper. I will never say a bad word about Luke Harper. And Aaron Rowan's not that bad either. Um, But this whole presentation for me just isn't working. They're just killing Everybody. Like, who's going to beat these guys? Are they going to turn to bar face? They've already gone through the New Day. Uh, The Usos had all these raw-ass matches throughout 2017 to essentially get shit on, like, during this whole feud. And this has been going on, like, Bludgeon Brothers were killing jobbers for months. And then we got these belts, and they look like they are unbeatable. And it looks like the only way that these guys can compete is... Naomi coming out there and, you know, shaking her ass and twerking. And all of a sudden, Luke Harper goes into a catatonic state and the Usos are able to attack. So we'll see how that all works. Um, <laughs> we had a couple comments I actually want to see. Simon Cotton says, Jinder Mahal is a bum, a world-class bum and doing it on a worldwide stage. I threw that part in. Uh, Sergio says, what makes it worse is the same thing happened to Joe, but instead of redoing the spot, Joe went along with it and changed the spot. You were correct, Sergio, and that is, that's actually what I was gonna get to later. But I mean, Samoa Joe just looked like such a professional in that moment, and because I saw the ladder falling, and it was like, uh oh, like it looks like a spot got messed up. But he just like kind of rolled with it and adopted. And I think that's just Samoa Joe just being so much worlds like like worlds away from Jinder Mahal as a worker. So and that might be speak to genders like. Not confidence in himself, but feeling like what he can and can't do in the ring. So, without, quote-unquote, you know, getting punished for it. Because, remember, it's not that long ago that this dude is just coming out here and losing in, you know, two minutes or less. Like, in a super job role. So, he's probably a little nervous and taking, you know, the instruction a certain way. I'm going to do everything they, they want me to do with it. Um, Simon said the War Raiders beat the Wyatt Brothers at WrestleMania 35. I mean... I don't know, bro. When you see these guys, you're going to be shocked because Lou Harper and Eric Rowan are so much taller than them. I thought War Machine was always really big in New Japan, but when I saw them in person, it was like, I feel like these guys are my height. And this is just a thing with me. I kind of forget how tall I am sometimes, and James has to remind me. Because I don't like necessarily feel like I'm tall. I'm like 6'1", or whatever. But when I walk up on these guys, I feel like I'm looking you eye to eye, and you're the monster? I don't know, man. So... It it just kind of works weird for me, but um, on to the latter match. I thought this was the best match of the uh, show, uh, the SmackDown tag. I gave it two and a fourth. Those guys really worked hard in that time, but they have to stop all this demolition. Like as far as uh with the Bludgeon Brothers go, they've got to like what's what's next everybody (laughs) um we got the ladder match coming out like i said i thought it was the best thing on the show seth rollins looked like an absolute superstar he got cheered like a god uh seth rollins uh came out and won the match retained with one of the most awesome finishes i've ever seen in a ladder match because it made sense While this guy's fucking around on the ladder and climbing slow and everything like that, Seth Rollins used his athleticism, jumped from the top rope onto the ladder, went up there, got the belt, and just jumped off like, see ya, got the belt, holla, I'm outta here. (laughs) And Finn Balor was up there looking like a jackass, essentially. Like, he's gotta be turning because this guy's just being made to look like a bum at like every turn by Seth Rollins and of course Seth Rollins has already like exposed this man and outclassed him uh you know aside from you know doing the job eventually the last time they feuded uh at SummerSlam 2016 remember he's younger than Balor the company believes in him more than Balor they actually let this man be on top and treated him like a real champion you know unfortunately we didn't get to see how they would treat Balor but Rollins dressed that man down in all the promos. And now what they're doing with this whole thing, Rollins has dominated this man. And I feel like I don't you know know where Balor's going. I don't think he can last as a babyface just completely just being used like this. And him turning would give Raw another strong wrestling heel because let's take a look at that roster. Outside of Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn with Ziggler and McIntyre in that tag division, who else you got? It's like, you know, it's its own thing. But the ladder match, I thought, you know, I had a lot going on in it. As Sergio mentioned, they had the whole deal with the ladder falling, but these guys adjusted. Uh, All those guys are pros. Miz got Pyro out there. Awesome. Awesome. And, you know, they they did this whole thing. And, you know, that was pretty cool. I thought that was a four-star match. So, if there's anything on the show you want to watch, I would definitely check out the ladder match. It's not the most daredevil type of match that you've ever seen. But it's just, like, probably, like, as good of a standard ladder match as you can have in 2018. So, after this, WWE was out here looking like they were about to start an international conflict. When they brought uh, four WWE trial participants by the names of Nassar, Hussein, Mansoor, and fassal Fasal, excuse me—one uh, of the guys looked like Baby Seth Rollins. Uh, me and Dave Finichio were calling him Saudi Seth. Um, and they were cutting a promo and you know being introduced and saying, "Hey, we want to basically be the first stars for Saudi Arabia." Blah blah blah. Then Sean and Arya Davari come out. As you guys know. These guys are from Iran, so WWE, <laughs> not only in America do they do this angle, they are taking this to a worldwide stage, but the, the problem is, I feel like Saudi Arabia don't really play like that, bro, like, they, they are with the shits over there, like, obviously, you know, they're ready to shoot or, like, behead you at any moment, so I thought for a second, the Saudi Arabians were going to rush the ring on these guys. Luckily that did not happen. Um, Sean was waving the Iranian flag and Ari Davari cut a promo on all of them. And he called all the trainees, uh, wannabes. And he put over, uh, <laughs> Iran, uh, Sean, Sean Davari. He talked about Fasal, who was the guy that, um, looked like Seth Rollins, I believe he retaliated. Hussein hit a power slam on Sean and then Nasser threw them out of the ring. This was the hottest thing on the show by far. Obviously they're countrymen and, you know, if this didn't work, I don't know what would have. Um, Dan said they might want to change Hussein's name. I, I feel like all these guys have have name changes coming. Uh, and if not, I mean, they're they're already down to one name. And that's how Vince McMahon likes a lot of these guys. Um, I'm trying to think, uh, what what happened next? Oh yeah, AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura. Whoo good God. Had to swig the water one time for the working man, like uh, Stone Cold said um this match was really really good um this to me blew away the wrestlemania match and it was on the way to looking like it would end up in like a 4.25 maybe with the right finishes four and a half stars to me it landed around 3.75 and to me that like definitely outdid their the wrestlemania outing which was kind of just a lot of stalling and them guys being confused on how to really wrestle each other and It was just really weird, but the heel turn has kind of revitalized Nakamura, and Nakamura's been one of the best things in WWE since. Um, They turned what was a dream match at WrestleMania into a nut-punching story that is going to culminate in a big match at Backlash a month later. I don't know man And and the first person to point this out was Simon And shout out to Simon He's in the comments right now He's saying Kevin Owens and AJ Styles If you guys remember the feud last year It was like wow AJ Styles and Kevin Owens are going to start to wrestle This is going to be crazy What did WWE do? They booked it every step of the way To not be great they let these guys wrestle and then they throw a bullshit finish in there or they do some type of weird ending um that kind of just kneecaps the potential of it and it's like you you have two of the best wrestlers in the world in there just let them fucking go and i'm afraid that's what it feels like is happening on you know with this feud wrestlemania was kind of a muted match for the heel turn to go over later better at the end I don't feel like we saw the best of AJ. I don't feel like we saw the best of Nakamura. I feel like we saw a better version of them in Saudi Arabia, but it wasn't, it still wasn't what we think, you know, when we see Nakamura and Styles matched up. And the alignment is correct now. So they did a double count out finish. I don't know, man. Looking at WrestleMania a month ago, I don't think Brock Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns were being counted at all when they were outside the ring, and that was not a no-DQ match. So, they kind of just use, pick and choose to use these things. I think they need a little bit more consistency for this stuff. Um, they did this thing, like, you know, they, they kind of started off slow, but, you know, it picked up. It was at a way faster pace in WrestleMania. The crowd... There was something I was watching on this. I felt like dudes were doing the wave. Like, this match didn't seem like it went over well at times, and then other times they got into it. So, it was really weird all night with the crowd, because the big stars, they, they kind of came out there heavy for. There were some people that I felt like they didn't know who they were, but this was somewhere in the middle, because there was times that it had energy, then other times it was just like, you see people in the front row sleep or turned around, like, I don't know if everybody in there knew, you know, exactly what was going on, but this was a good match. Um, if you want to see these guys do do it for real, though, it still stands. Watch Wrestle Kingdom 10. Uh, hopefully at Backlash, these guys are able to to really go at it. And hopefully Nakamura can, you know, win the belt or else he might be done as a main eventer. So I'm kind of anticipating a a title change. They've kind of handicapped AJ Styles on this title reign because they have not let him be that showcase champion that he was the first time around where you could throw him on pay-per-view and just say, go. What they've done was, hey, we made him win the title on a SmackDown. Then we had him go in there and have a great match with Brock Lesnar. So, I take that back. They did let him have one great match with Brock Lesnar. Then he had to fight Jinder Mahal again. And, you know, you know how that goes. Then, at the Royal Rumble, he had to, in the opener, defend the world title in a handicap match. And somehow he won, obviously. Beat two men's asses at once. But the match had, you know, that, that booking in it that, that all AJ Styles and Kevin Owens matches seem to have where something's weird. Then, of course, you know, there was the six-man, you know, match they had, and it's only so good a six-man match can be, because you're not really allowed to uh, take over and prove you are the peak performer, unless, like, you do some crazy shit like Ricochet at NXT a couple weeks ago. Uh, But that six-man match wasn't that NXT match. And then the Nakamura Styles match happens at WrestleMania, and they kind of feel like they get the volume turned down on them, and... I don't know, man. They they seem like they didn't know what to do with AJ Styles as a babyface uh, champion. Like as far as like just letting them have great matches. Um, so I don't know if that comes to not having heels lined up because they kind of turned Nakamura just random, randomly. But I mean, if you want to keep that feud going between two two babyfaces, someone does have to turn. Um, I would be nervous, uh, you know, with, with AJ Styles right now, like how they've used him. So maybe if the belt comes off him, he can kind of get you know his rematch and then you know go on and get pulled into something where he can really excel um like you know i don't know man they they decide they didn't want something out of aj styles this time i feel like um let's go to some of these comments simon says wwe has been sabotaging aj styles since his fantastic wwe championship run if you guys missed it um now this match ended up turning out okay with aj styles and Shane McMahon, but leading into it AJ Styles was on the roll of his career. Swig one time. And he was, it was the, I called it at the time, I called it the most elaborate fuck job of a top star ever to get the belt off of him uh, to get him into that Shane McMahon match. This time they let him keep it and it feels like they didn't treat him the same way, so I don't know. Um, But yeah, moving on from that. Uh, Undertaker defeated Rusev in a casket match my god I have a story for you guys on this one so I was watching this show uh, as I mentioned at work and my homeboy next to me uh, I don't know if he wants me to say his name on here because I don't want to give away what he was doing but um, he was watching the show as well so the deal with it was I felt like my feed kept going back like his would always be like two or three minutes ahead of mine the whole time So, I figured, man, like, the show's moving at such a fast pace, and I don't really want to miss anything. I'm just going to watch it as is. And then I saw The Undertaker, like, music. I was like, I have an idea. I can just fast forward and close the app out, refresh it, and then the match will be starting right now. So, (laughs) I turn it back, you know, and... You know, the Undertaker's making his entrance. I go through the whole refresh, the intro, the everything, essentially. This motherfucker, Undertaker, hasn't even reached the casket yet. And I was minutes behind, closed it, came back, and this motherfucker's entrance still wasn't over. So, you know, they they took their sweet time with that. And, you know, it was a match. Um, I don't think Rusev needed to have it. He's already over. They they literally buried the guy. Uh put him in the casket with Aiden English. He did get more offense than John Cena. It was it was still short. I want to say it was just under ten minutes. Uh not really anything noteworthy or anything. Um it was an old school uh, you know, Undertaker in the mid nineties type of casket match where he finally gets this heel that he hit that had been running from him for months and doing foul shit and burning his uh you know his his urn down and making it a gold chain. This that's just what that felt like, except without any of that story. They randomly just announced this shit. And it was a bunch of strikes, an old school, a slam, and a tombstone on Aiden English. And Rusev laid in the casket for a really long time while that shit set up. I think that's about as good as you can probably expect The Undertaker to work. And even so, that's not good. Uh, I believe I gave that match like a two and a half. So, yeah, man. Um, Undertaker still got to go. Like, I don't, you know, know what anyone here is waiting for. I don't know what you need to see at this point to for him to keep rolling out here. Uh, Rance had a really good point uh, on his show. He's a stop being Brett Favre. Either just come back or don't. Pick one. Just, you know, whatever. I don't need to see any more Undertaker matches. I think I made that clear. Um, but Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns. My God. <laughs> these dudes here. So, I don't know whose bright idea it was. But these guys came out here and essentially, without the blood and without going outside the ring, these guys had the same match that they had at WrestleMania. It wasn't really anything special at all. This reminded me of, you know, when you play WWE SmackDown, uh, SmackDown 2, uh, Know Your Role, or one of the old SmackDown games that you could play on, like, PS... 1 or 2 where you could set the amount of finishers that you had in the beginning of the match and you just use them at the start of the match just to get an advantage that's what this was I feel like Brock Lesnar had 5 F5s stored Roman Reigns had Superman punches and uh, spears and these guys literally just came out there and was like we're just going to start doing those There, there wasn't any type of lead up at all like you know when AJ, or AJ Styles and John Cena was criticized for this what they forgot was there was like a 10 minute portion in the beginning of the match where they were working each other over and then then they went into it and that's kind of how you structured those things these guys were just like fuck that we're going to start with German suplexes and then straight into the F5s and Spears and Superman punches and just literally just hit each other over and over and over and over again with these and it was like while I was watching this I was like this is exactly what we feared that the first match between these guys would be no one looking like they were capable of leading a match and it just kind of being there. And I feel like with the finish, uh, we were set up for bullshit. Uh, oh, yeah. Vince McMahon finesse the Saudis, by the way. Uh, <laughs> two title matches. We're not giving you a winners, uh, like solid winners on each of them. We're, we're going to leave one con- uh, with a controversial finish and the other one. We're just going to roll this bitch over. But. They had Roman Reigns spear Brock Lesnar out of the cage, and then Roman Reigns' feet were on the ground first. This is why you do not book finishes around objects with the object being the finish. It's never good uh, because things like this can happen. Now, it's worked in the past as well. Uh, We've had Stone Cold Steve Austin get thrown through the cage, but to me, that's just too much of a variable um, for you know, too many things go wrong. One Lesnar, like you know, for example, what happened? His feet could mess around and not hit. They only make their announcers look like dumbasses, and also their company look like dumbasses when they have them instruct and say. Uh, You know, Lesnar won when we're clearly looking at Lesnar's feet up on the cage with Roman Reigns sitting on the outside. So I don't know if this is some kind of like further like example of this quote unquote work shoot thing. So Roman can say he was screwed and I don't know, man, but this program is dead. It is tired. It is washed. It is way past the peak I felt like the time to have this match was around WrestleMania 33, and they just delayed it, and we're hoping Roman Reigns would get more over. I don't know what they're waiting for. Um, if they, I feel like they really know that this guy isn't the guy, but they are lying to themselves. And <laughs> if you were still saying to yourself that Roman Reigns is the guy, you're probably lying to yourself because... They don't have to do this with someone that is the guy. It's like you have to delay and delay and delay and delay. I've never seen them have to work harder to get someone accepted than Roman Reigns. They go all the way over to Saudi, Saudi Arabia, right? Roman Reigns comes out. A little bit of, you know, some cheers, a lot of booze. Then it's like silence. You know, like when they cut the, the music off, you think you're going to hear like a little something. It was like silence. I don't know if that was just a stadium or, you know, my headphones or what, but... I know when Lesnar came out there, it was just like they went crazy, you know. And I don't know if that's a fact that Lesnar's been a star for 15 years. And, you know, when you go to different parts of the world, it's like whoever's been exposed the longest. And, you know, that's why Randy Orton got cheered so much, I feel like, in the uh, battle Royal, Orton always gets cheered at house shows a lot like that as well. Swig one time. And I don't know how that all works, but... Where are they gonna go next for Roman Reigns to get cheered? Are they gonna have to go to Wakanda? Like, I don't <laughs> You know, uh Sergio says uh they need a one-on-one extreme rules match uh, where they just let it let it go all out. They need something, man. Like Roman Reigns needs to go on excursion. He needs to like leave like someone else has to beat Brock Lesnar because if they keep running this match out there. It's such a tone-deaf example of like them being boneheaded and stubborn. And it's like, yo, you have so many other dudes that you could potentially go with and use Roman Reigns in the correct role that it's blatantly obvious that he needs to be. He needs to be the heel champion at some point because that will not only make all the wrestlers like kind of fall into like their natural alignments. You can use this guy and really still have them beat everybody and be the man like you want them to. And I don't know, man, they, they're they just lying to themselves at, at this point. The match was not good. This was a standard cage, match. I, I don't even think it went 10 minutes. So they brought these guys all the way over there to do that match. They're killing Roman Reigns by the day, and is still being champion. It's Brock Lesnar. There's nothing exciting about it. Who's next? Strowman. It has to be Strowman at this point, doesn't it? Look like that? Um, Simon says, "Nah, it's done. You might as well put the title on Cena." I don't know, man. Cena's not not who he was at this. Uh, you know, as a wrestler anymore. He's still the best promo in the company, I think. But as far as a wrestler right now and what would get people going, I don't think John Cena's it anymore. Um, But yeah, man, on to the last match, the 50-man Royal Rumble. So it started, and I was like, yeah, I wonder who they could bring out at number one. Because I'm thinking like, yo, we've got a bunch of surprises. We've got big name guys. This wasn't that. So they brought out Dan Bryan at number one. And I was like, oh my God, he's going coast to coast. <laughs> and then he fucking did it. So Daniel Bryan wrestles 76 minutes in 87 degree weather. I never want to hear someone say they're worried about Dan Bryan again because WWE is back to riding him until the wheels fall off like normal. Um, he's the workhorse of WWE. He will contend. He was the workhorse of WWE. It looks like he's currently about to be the workhorse of WWE once again. So let's just go through this uh, Rumble, um, courtesy of F4W.com uh, or F- F4W Online. Uh, so Daniel Bryan and Dolph Ziggler started, and yes, this was the Geek Parade. After this, uh, Sin Cara was in at number three, and then they got rid of him. Uh, Curtis Axel came out mark henry was in at five henry eliminated curtis axel mike canellis who we haven't seen in months um because i believe he had his child being born i believe he was dealing with some issues getting sober looks like he is in a good place now so excited to see that guy back on a personal note um and he was thrown out of the ring immediately by the way (laughs) <laughs> um i think my dog caleb uh had a couple things to say on twitter uh about uh michael mike canellas Con- mike but you know strictly strictly professional um then number seven was hiroki sumi and i was like who on god's green earth is is this apparently he is a sumo wrestler and he was a like hall of fame sumo wrestler in japan and he went toe-to-toe and all he pretty much got got used for was to get thrown out immediately by Mark Henry, uh, Dan O'Brien and, you know, eventually got Henry out of there. So we had Victor of the Ascension, (laughs) Kofi Kingston, Tony Neese. Uh, so this, the cruiserweights kind of mixing in and it looks like Tony Neese could eventually, you know, move out of that cruiserweight division. He's all, he's really, really good. I I like Tony niece. We saw a dash of the revival horns. woggle from there we saw primo cologne and as you can see the geek parade is indeed uh you know a thing so after that was xavier woods then bo dallas came in at 15 uh, a couple more eliminations uh you know they got rid of primo they got rid of a bunch of those guys um kurt angle came in at 16 and you know the exciting thing was seeing kurt angle and daniel bryan and i don't know if that really went over well in saudi arabia they probably just didn't get it but it was exciting to do a couple things and you know angle is obviously like super washed and broke down uh but you know it's nice to see kurt you know when we can you know this isn't this doesn't hurt anybody being in a 50-man royal rumble especially with the, the amount of geeks they have lined up so we got dawson in at 17 Goldust at 18 connor from the ascension at 19 and elias was number 20 we've got to talk about michael cole Michael Cole was training on Twitter for an abysmal performance. Not only here, but all fucking night when he was sitting there botching the Roman Reigns finish. When they were calling the the Jeff Hardy and Jinder Mahal thing. When he said that Sergeant Slaughter was the late great Sergeant Slaughter. So while Sergeant Slaughter is actually alive, then I don't know what it is with him and Elias. Elias isn't even a face, but he is. So the thing is, Elias is cool in a way. That heels are sometimes cool and a lot of people like them. And the one thing that you can do to ruin that is put Michael Cole on it. And have Cole start co-opting the cause. Because what is cool about Michael Cole? Nothing. He is the establishment. So all you're doing in that case is hurting Elias by informally aligning Michael Cole with him, I feel like. So... And that leads me to the point, like, Michael Cole has been in WWE since 1998. It is 2018 now. I believe Jim Ross was around for the same amount of time. Ross showed up in 1993 and kind of got phased out around, like, 2012, 2013, a little bit probably before that. So if Cole's been around this long right now, right, is it time to get rid of Michael Cole yet? And I don't say that from a point of malice. I don't say that from a point of, you know, this guy... Doesn't do his job right because he does do a lot, like as far as like holding the broadcast together, training the other announcers, different stuff like that. That he actually is pretty good at, but there are certain things with Cole as that are almost unforgivable. Cole has no credibility with the off with the audience at all, none. He literally is the voice of WWE, meaning. Not like he is the voice of the fans or anything. He is the company's like, you know, the way they've decided their announcing is going to go. This is Vince McMahon talking through this guy. And that's pretty much, you know, disqualified all credibility that this guy has. So I came to the conclusion that if Michael Cole walked in tomorrow and was like, you know what, I'm done. I don't think a soul would care like (laughs) this isn't this wouldn't be like this thing like we're begging Michael Cole to come back. Like we were begging more Ronaldo to come back or Jim Ross to come back for all these years, even though, you know, Ross has seen better days at this point. But there was a point where we were like, yo, why can't we just have Jim Ross back? He's still the best guy. That's not Cole. Like Cole's kind of just there. So I asked 20 years in. What would you do with Michael Cole at this point? Do you just let him keep going forever? Do you transition him into like another role? Or do you just leave my Monday Night Raw to just be, you know, Vince McMahon's voice? I don't know. But number 20, back to the Royal Rumble. Elias came in swig one time. Uh, Luke Gallows was out here at 21. I'm i su- I'm surprised like Lou Gallows like <laughs> didn't get beat by the next entry and you know Lou Gallows is one of the slowest members on the roster, uh, when it comes to moving around out there. Twenty two is Rhino, twenty three is Drew Gulak, another two oh five live guy. Then we saw Tucker Knight from NXT, random big guy. Um and I've seen a couple of theories about this, like going outside of the United States, they want the big dudes really being displayed because that will pop the, the eyes of the audience. Uh, after that, Bobby Roo was in at 25. Uh, he eliminated gold dust. Fandango was 26. Chad Gable was in at 27. Ray Mysterio was in at 28 and the all green outfit it was cool to see Mysterio out there. And he got rid of Luke Gallows. Mojo Riley came out and he got Fandango out of there. Tyler Breeze came in at number 30 Big E was number 31 Carl Anderson 32 Apollo Cruz at 33 he ended up getting rid of Chad Gable Roderick Strong from NXT is number 34 so we saw Daniel Bryan and Roderick Strong run it I, and and god bless him roger strong he chopped the shit out of daniel Bryan. <laughs> daniel Bryan, like someone had uh had captured a uh, picture of brian like laid out in the corner like that and they were like passion of the christ 2004 just like how bad that man looked like he was whooped on like if you didn't see daniel Bryan's chest it looked like a red magic marker was just like put over his chest a million times so roger strong beat the hell out of that man um Randy Orton was in at thirty five and he RKO'd a bunch of people. Uh we saw him get rid of Cruz, Raleigh, and Anderson. Heath Slater was in at excuse me. Uh Heath Slater was in at thirty-six. Babatoon from NXT is thirty-seven. At this point, I just howled with laughter. I'm like, yo, it's like they're pulling out the every big motherfucker they could find. Babatoon hasn't even deb- debuted in on NXT TV yet. I've seen him at different house shows. His music is hilarious. It's like and he's doing this gimmick where he's essentially the bad luck follies who Leo rushes Finn Balor. So, um, with the same entrance and all that. So, uh, Dan says, Heaven Machinery has the worst list of all time. Yes, I feel like those are two guys that you don't want to follow behind the bathroom. Like, if you're out there, you know, at a barbecue one day, then is is you walking in with one of those guys in the bathroom and you're, you know, next behind, like, Tucker Knight and then you see Dozovich walk out, just leave. Like, find another bathroom. You are not going to want to follow those dudes. Um, after that, Baron Corbin was in. He got rid of Rude and Strong. Then we had the moment of the night. And if you do not know what I'm talking about pause this podcast if you're listening to it on delay and go find it. Titus O'Neil with the move of the night, the botch of the year, the new improved shock master. This man Titus O'Neil came out here. You know, his music hit, and he was excited. And you know, number 38, the, the, and no one will ever be able to do this again without us thinking that they were trying to emulate this or anything like this. Titus O'Neil is trying to spin it like it was, you know, some plan he had. No, he did not have this plan. And you know why? And and, and James pointed this out to me. They missed the fucking live shot of it. So if it was planned, they would have got that <laughs> unless it was just, you know, bad camera work, which we can't underestimate either. So this motherfucker Titus O'Neil. This man takes off in full sprint. I don't know what happens with his feet, but right at the end where, you know, the mat starts and the ramp ends, he trips, and this man goes baseball sliding head first underneath the ring, and they ran this motherfucker back at least eight times, I swear to God. They had uh, these guys on commentary dying laughing, and this was great because um, it was a long show, and I feel like those dudes... This is their reward. They got to call one of the all time moments, and this was on Twitter immediately Gift all over Titus O'Neill was trending uh was breaking Twitter. They had memes up of him with the shop master mask on It was awesome. It was great, and you know he came back in after that, so hopefully he can get some merchandise out of this um so you know Titus O'Neill sliding. Um. After that, Dan Matha from NXT. Another big dude. Dan Matha does not suck, though. So, despite what some of you may have seen from him or think, this guy is a heat magnet. He's a good promo and a above-average wrestler for his size. And <clears throat> I saw this dude at NXT uh, at one of the house shows, and he can turn a building on him in a second. So, we may end up seeing him one day. Uh, I don't know when, but... You know, after that, Braun Strowman was in at 40, and he got rid of all the NXT guys Bobatoon, Matha, Heath Slater, a bunch of dudes. Um, Ty were came in at 41, so all that 10 shit seems to be a wrap for Royal Rumbles. Um, after that, Orton and Mysterio teamed up and they tried to take out Strowman. Uh, Corbin and Mysterio battled out a little bit, and then, um, after that, uh, basically Corbin got rid of Mysterio, so getting some heat there. After that, Orton got uh, threw out Corbin, and Elias threw out Randy Orton. So I tried to pay attention to like who they kind of spotlighted. So they're trying to, you know, paint Elias as a main eventer, but they don't really want to treat him like one. So it'll be interesting to see how you know that goes. And I've talked about it over the last couple shows how they're dealing with Elias right now. Swig one time. Kurt um, Hawkins came in at 43 and so the funny thing was that Strowman was essentially waiting for the next entrant to come in and it was Kurt Hawkins and the way you saw Kurt Hawkins was like fuck <laughs> I gotta go fight this guy so he knew history was about to continue so he ran away from Strowman but Strowman you know, obviously chased him down and they did all that so um, Strowman threw Hawkins out and then Bobby Lashley came out he got full pyro so this is something to remember all these guys that got pyro miz got pyro uh i want to say aj got pyro lashley got pyro you should definitely pay attention to who who got the pyro because it is something to kind of look at how they feel about these guys in the company um after that you know elias and lashley were going at it and got rid of elias rather fast um then the great Khali came back. We haven't seen Khali since the Punjabi prison match. Thank God. He looked immobile as ever. And, and of course, he was chopping, chopping, like Brian Alvarez would say. And, you know, he eventually got written, got thrown out by Lashley and Strowman. Uh, Kevin Owens came in at 46. And then Cole said this is, you know, the record for the longest. Uh, like, basically, Dan Bryan at this point had broken the record. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, for longest Royal Roman performance ever. Um, then Shane McMahon came in at 47, and then Sheldon Benjamin was in at 48. Uh, Owens tried to get, you know, an alliance going to get rid of Strowman. Big Cass was in at 49, and Dan Bryan was like, bring your ass out here. Uh, We're going to run it. And then all of a sudden, Chris Jericho came in at 50. Uh, after that, like, it was pretty cool. You know, this match... There, there, there was stuff happening, but this isn't like a run, uh, a run a blowaway Royal Rumble or anything. This was just a run of the mill Royal Rumble that was really long with uh, some kind of like decent kind of surprises. Um, I feel like you know you get Mysterio, you get Jericho. We, obviously, they're advertised, but they're not everyday guys. Um, you know, the NAC guys getting a look. And, of course, Daniel Bryan going coast to coast. I I can't be mad at it. And, you know, the thing was, coming into it, it was like, there's probably two guys that can win this. It's either Strowman or Daniel Bryan. But since nothing was really on the line, I didn't get worked up that Daniel Bryan didn't end up winning. Um, from there... Uh, Strowman eliminated Jericho Owens, and lastly, Brian was trying to get rid of Braun Strowman, which was hilarious, but Big Cass, you know, jumped him and eliminated him after an hour and 16 minutes, and then the final two was Cass versus Strowman, and this just feels like Vince McMahon just getting, doing doing what Vince McMahon loves to do, having two big husky motherfuckers running it. But uh, it, it couldn't have been longer than twenty seconds, and then uh, Strowman got rid of uh, Big Cass. But star of the match with Daniel Bryan going seventy six minutes and working with every guy that came in the ring. I didn't hate it. I thought it was like pretty, you know, cool. It's just like a novel thing. They gave Strowman a belt after, and they gave him a big trophy. This was almost like. Vince McMahon was saying, I'm sorry. You know, I'm sorry I didn't let you main event WrestleMania. I'm sorry, you know, that we we didn't read how over you were. I'm sorry that we just stuck to our plans. But here's a belt. Here's a Royal Rumble win. You you can win the biggest Royal Rumble ever. I'm so sorry, Strowman. And hopefully this can go, you know, on a way to building this guy back up again. Uh, He is the guy that people want on Monday Night Raw. And I think that... You got it. And he got the pyro at the end, by the way. So this was you know, I thought it was a good show overall. Uh, I didn't think it was blow away. I thought it was better than WrestleMania, but I didn't really think much of WrestleMania. So take that for how you want. Uh, If you want to see my ratings for it, I believe it is in the uh, I'll go through them real quick once again. Uh, so I got three and a half for Cena and Triple H Cedric and Kalisto at three and a fourth, Raw Tag Team match two and a half, Jinder and Jeff 1.75 Smackdown Tag, two and a quarter Ladder Match, four stars, Undertaker Rusev, two and a half, AJ and Nakamura three and three quarters, Brock and Roman two and three quarters, 50 Man Rumble three stars, so it, nothing, nothing, all time great, but it was definitely a show that I, I give a you know a couple looks at. Look at the the good stuff on the show and watch the atmosphere, just see how it kind of feels to you, um, uh, and, and see if you think WWE is going to like do continue to you know do this thing and prosper over there, and hopefully the, they will be able to get the women on the show eventually one day. But WWE is not going to change Saudi Arabia. I don't know where any of you got that from, but this is just going to be something they're going to have to work around. Hopefully, uh, we can get Charlotte over there. We can get all the women over there. They ran a commercial during, during the event that they later had to apologize for, and they, meaning the Saudi Sports Authority, uh, showing the women, uh, and I believe this was like the backlash commercial, and also that, one, what, that song uh, that everyone just loves so much that they showed... And they had to apologize for that. So it's like the 1940s over there. And it would suck, you know, like I tried to just substitute, you know, like what if it was like women that or excuse me, what if it was black folks that weren't allowed to, you know, come into the show? Or what if it was, you know, someone else? But it's like none of the comparisons are actually like comparable to like what they're doing because they're working with like this kingdom. So it's a full propaganda charade. And I think you know, that the phrase all good money ain't good money applies, but sometimes you just got to take the money and that's like kind of disheartening, but it is like business in a sense. So, um, yeah, man. Um, yeah, besides that, what else do we have to look at today? Oh yeah. Dave Batista. So in one of the weirdest stories that I've read about, um, you know, this, you know, type of, uh, you know, over the weekend. And this was like recently I read this. So apparently Batista confirmed that WWE ghosted him regarding the Ronda Rousey WrestleMania thing. And he was basically saying, you know, I'm not going to hang around forever. I'm almost 50 and, um, you know, I'd love to do a last return. This is Dave Batista. Who's in the Marvel shit now. Like he has no reason to want to come back to WWE. Right. And the way he was treated last time when he came in and I'll be guilty and say this. It was just the wrong place at the wrong time for one of the, like, most solid guys in wrestling. And I remember I met Batista in person once. He was just so nice to everybody. And he was a guy that got crapped on, but he walked into the wrong situation. I don't think WWE knew it at the time. But they haven't used him since. And he's wanted to come back a couple times and, obviously, eventually do a thing with Triple H, but it just never quite works out for him, so... um this is he was on an interview with chad dukes um in washington dc so he was like this is all insider stuff and i did, usually don't share because he's uh he says i'm a really old school kayfabe guy but they reached out to me earlier this year possibly to come back and do the thing with Rhonda." and he said he would only be willing to do it if he teased something for him and hunter to go at mania next year and they said yeah that would be great i love that idea and i said well that's great i'll come back a few times during the year and we'll tease it and we'll work with work it and we'll milk it and we'll go to Mania me hundred next year. Oh, I love that idea. Let's do it. And we literally talked for about three weeks and then they just stopped calling them uh, or calling me, uh, me being Batista. said he sent the text to Hunter and he was like hey man I don't know if you put any more thought into what's going on but I'm really excited about the possibilities and I never heard back from them they just stopped talking to me about it now I don't know what else I can try to do I want to end my career the right way I'm faithful and loyal to WWE I'm proud of being from there and I just want to do good business with them but they don't make it easy just you know they don't so it's like he said he basically told him that last year would be his uh, next year would be his last year. He's turning 50 and he'd be willing to. He feels great physically. He's he's in great shape. And if you've seen Batista, obviously that's the case. Um, but he just doesn't want to be an old guy in the ring. He doesn't want to overstay his welcome yeah, because I feel like he, he learned last time like, yo, they will turn on you. And, you know. He just goes on from there saying how much he loves it, and he's like, even though the fans crapped on him last time he was there, he'd still go back in a heartbeat because he loves to entertain us and he uh, has fun doing it, but he just doesn't get it, and he d- said, I don't get that company, man, I just don't understand, I don't know, man, like, <laughs> you know, Batista has been critical of WWE also, uh, maybe they don't like that, but I don't know why they would start talks with the guy and then just abruptly stop, I don't think that would be a real good way to run a business, but um especially with a guy with batista's value you know in the nostalgia type deal and also with the marvel appeal and you know i don't know man like why they would treat that guy like that but weird very weird i you know now i'm not pining to see a batista and triple h match or anything like that like don't get that uh twisted but like i said If you're going to bring it up to this dude and tell him, yeah, that might be something we want to do. Just keep y'all word, man. Just keep it a buck with him. Be like, yeah, we changed our minds. We don't, you know, see that happening. We don't have those, those, those creative plans for you. But... You know, Batista never really kind of got to go out, so I can sympathize with Batista there. Um, <laughs> so let's let's see. Um, Batista Simon says Batista got the game fucked up. He's in a big money making gig and he's trying to get some big bucks, but he's trying to come back to put over Triple H. Yes, he is hustling backwards in a sense, right there, uh, Simon. Sergio says Avenger made Avengers made six hundred thirty million dollars in the o- opening weekend. Why wouldn't they want to work with one of the stars? I don't know, man. They I I don't maybe it's a situation where if they feel like they can't do more than one thing at once and they have like all their big time creative energy tied up in Ronda Rousey and Brock Lesnar and this is just one more big guy they have to accommodate but I don't know. It seems like Batista is one of the more easygoing kind of guys like and he'll do what they want him to, you know, but at the same time at this point he is Dave fucking Batista. So I oh, don't know, man. Let's like that's a bad look for them. Um, Simon says on WWE's end, they already made the mistake of missing out on Guardians of the Galaxy, and they could have been at the beginning of the wave uh, uh, of the wave of momentum. Yeah, they they did miss out, and they they kind of treated him badly at the beginning uh, of that whole thing. But if you know he is loyal to WWE, he says he wants to be loyal. Why not let him be loyal and use those things? But you know. Maybe it's a situation where it's like, yo, we got one movie star we care about, and it's The Rock. Like, you you see how they treat Cena. Like, they... I, I don't see them really plugging Cena's stuff like that, and obviously they don't book him the right way. Um, he did go over Triple H, but it's Triple H. That was like the first time Cena won a match on pay-per-view in how long at this point. So... I don't know, man. This it's it's really weird, uh, but yeah, I'm taking questions here. Uh, I got a couple minutes if you guys want to leave some in the comments. It looks like we've got a couple more, but um, yeah, man. Like, I don't know, man. Greatest Royal Rumble. It was it was a five hour show, and it was something that. Is the start because this isn't over. Like we're gonna keep having these conversations, like about whether it's cool for WWE to be in bed with this this um, you know type of deal, you know, like with with them being propaganda partners and all that. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, Sergio says he wants a full time deal, and that's more valuable than The Rock right now. I don't necessarily know if The Rock is like you know, The Rock's gonna get injured like every time he wrestles, and it's like. You got to have something really good. I think the only person I would want to see the Rock fight at this point is Triple H. Anybody else, um, you know, not, isn't really, like, creatively there for me. Like, you know, him and Lesnar again, like, come on now. Rock's not taking all them suplexes. And if Brock Lesnar can't do those suplexes, it's like, what else is he is he here to do at this point? Um, I don't know. You know, it's always good to have the Rock around and be able to pull that out of, um you Know your back pocket, be like, Oh, yeah, we got the rock. But as far as like creatively and what he can do as far as building a program, I think that that ship has sailed. Um, let's see, what is Corey Graves doing? So we got a question about that. Uh, Sergio Parra says, Thoughts on Corey Graves' greatest Royal Rumble tweet? Let's see, I did not see what he was talking about. So he said when money eclipses passion is it still success is that is that the one you were talking about uh, Sergio So I'm looking at a couple different tweets he says I'm not built for the public eye NYC to Jeddah Saudi Arabia I think you're talking about that money <laughs> and passion one right Yeah, so, okay, so so it looks like that's the one. So, basically, <laughs> they were calling Jeddah a pro- progressive city, and they were doing a bunch of stuff, like, it, w- it was rough, man, like, it, and I feel like that's kind of like a vague way of doing it, like, saying that on Twitter, hopefully he doesn't get fired for that, because that sounds like something they would do, like, yeah, man, we just gonna get your ass out of here, but maybe Graves is in a position where he's so valuable to them at this point, where... He can. He made that as vague enough to where he had plausible deniability to be about anything. So I don't know. I you know the fans can can read what that means, but he might be able to spin it if he can just you know lie his ass off. Essentially, um, Dan says, "Did you see the WWE UK article on Deadspin? And if so, what are your thoughts? And they are trying to get franchises in other countries to take over the world like they took over territories. So I did not see that." column on deadspin but i did see the investor phone call where triple h unveiled that map with you know several other parts around the world what i can say is i think triple h really really loves the idea of a territory system now whether there's actually enough talent in those parts of the world that he was like dropping the nxt uh, flag on that remains to be seen because it's like wow you're doing all this stuff and it's very ambitious I I don't I don't know if Pete Dunn's necessarily grow on trees like how you found the UK can you get uh, uh you know dudes to stay out of the New Japan dojo you want to put performance centers in all these places and it's like who's they're gonna have to staff those joints they're gonna have to you know make sure they are consistently developing and it seems like. A big way to lose money and NXT's already not profitable, profitable the way they kind of you know they operate in the red and they can do those things because WWE has so much fucking money but it's like yo I'd rather lose money in one spot than lose places uh, lose money in like nine places all around the world so I don't know I think you know a couple performance centers are good them being that ambitious just speaks to WWE they'll go for it I'm not sure how it'll work out but we'll all see um Sergio was saying he said he was saying no matter how bad you have it at least the women have rights here. Um yeah. I don't know man like trying to justify like we we heard You know, all the justifications for WWE and Saudi Arabia, like I said earlier in the show, is like my opinion on this isn't like necessarily any better than anyone else's. And there are trades that you have to make uh, with these, you know, types of complex issues. Uh, For example, like, you know, some of y'all seen Kanye like, uh, you know, spout off on Twitter, you know, with all types of like foolishness earlier this week. So that's a trade you got to make. Like if you're a Kanye fan and you, you rode with what he's rode with, you know, over the, his career like, all right, am I going to listen to the music? Am I going to ride all the way 100% or am I going to like just quit them all together? So, and and I think that's like kind of what, you know, the thing, like also like Nas came out and they said, and Nas was beating on Khalees like allegedly. And that's like, yo, I'm a long time Nas fan. Do I want to be riding with this out here? And saying that no matter how bad we have it here at least women have rights here it's like I don't know man like they need to they need to catch the fuck up like and it's not this is not a culture thing this is like this is civil- or human rights like this is, this isn't culture like this is them like treating people the right way, so hopefully they can figure that out for you know so we don't have to keep having these conversations when they're when it's time to have the greatest summerslam and the greatest survivor series because they're going to keep going back there for years. In taking this money, and it's just going to feel dirtier every time. Along, you know, in the lead up to this whole thing, I didn't think about it a ton because the more I thought about it, the more angry I would get. And I just kind of wanted to watch the show. And I just kind of wanted to feel like, you know, it's, it's a standalone event. It's, it's a cool thing for WWE. But then you start seeing the stuff, as I called it the propaganda, the, you know, Sami Zayn not being able to come, all the women not showing up. And it was just. It just felt bad after a while, like, and, you know, them, you know, I don't know, man, and it's kind of disheartening, you know, to say, because if you guys listen to One Nation Radio, like, you know where I am on all these topics, like, as far as, like, equality and everything like that, it's like, yo, man, they gotta, this is a trade, this is a trade that we all gotta make, so, you know, I'm not going to judge anybody for how they feel about it. Like, if you feel like, "Hey, I think WWE is going to do a great thing over there," more power to you. But I don't feel that way. I feel like they're they're cashing the check, and they're they're a corporation that will cash a check in light of you know what may go on and who it you know may disenfranchise or anything like that. And in my situation, looking at it, it's like I'm a wrestling fan. I probably was. I'm going to watch the show. Typically, I, I do a podcast. I'm going to watch the show, and it's like. Well, I watch the show and continue to raise, you know, on my platform to raise these questions that have tough answers and try to answer them, you know, in my opinion, like the way I can. And also, like, you know, just work within, you know, the the connections that I have with people talking about this. But like, hey, can we do something to to get this closer to like WWE, like coming out and issuing a statement and like really Looking like, hey, you know, putting them in more of a light where it's like they need to explain themselves even better for this. Or should we just not take any of the shit seriously they do when they talk about uh, wanting the women to reach higher plateaus in their company? It's like, y'all will throw y'all women away for a check like this. How much do y'all really care about this? So, and it's not like WWE's doors are going to close tomorrow. These guys are making that money. And they you know are in a situation now where i think they need to figure out what's important to them because we know what it looks like is important so i don't know i'd like to see the women eventually like get their own show like weekly show i don't know man they've they've got a lot to figure out it's really more complex than i can speak to on this show and hopefully we get some com- concrete answers soon because it's like the more they go over there and the more this happens and I don't think this is going to be something that just, you know, turns uh, turns over and gets switched the louder that, 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 that murmur is going to get. That, that kind of came at them late in the game here because, you know, they did it and it was like, yeah, we had a bunch of stuff going on. We had the Superstar Shake-Up, we had WrestleMania, and then it's like, oh, fuck, we've got this big show out of nowhere. And I think a lot of people kind of overlooked how deep the situation was. Next time, I feel like everyone's going to be prepared ahead of time, so... All the straw man arguments, like, they're going to start, like, looking even worse. Like, the more we keep going with this stuff. So, but... You know, um, that's pretty much gonna wrap up the show. I want to thank you guys for joining me today. Um, you know, for this show, I was it was kind of rough at times. Voice is a little like short at the moment. That's why I've been drinking so much water uh, during this show. But um, thank you guys all for listening. Make sure you check out the uh, rest of the Social Suplex Podcast Network, uh, the Wrestling Watch with Caleb Baldwin, the Outsiders Edge with um, Rance and Carl, Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show as well as Keeping It Strong Style for all your New Japan needs. And of course right here one nation radio one nation live if you're listening to it in the group right now i thank you guys for rocking with me on this sunday um enjoy the game i believe it is underway now and um we'll see what happens but uh this is rich make sure you guys leave us a rating and review i am out of here and i'll be back later in the week uh after raw and smackdown because raw looks rough and hopefully it's a little better this week so anyway i'm up out of here peace Thank you for listening to One Nation Radio. We'll see you next time.